Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today's episode is a listener's nutrition clinic episode, and that's where you get the opportunity to send in some questions to us, and Karen and I will do our very best to share some insights and tips and expertise. But today we're we're going to be taking a deep dive on a couple of questions that we get asked very regularly. Uh, The first is, how do I eat enough protein? And the second is all about carb intake. So although they sound quite simple, basic questions, Uh, They're really important to get right. So we hope you'll enjoy listening to today's episode. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs. I'm Aileen Smith and I co-host our show with my very good friend and business partner, Karen Campbell. We're both professional nutritionists and our spare time, we're runners. Our show is dedicated to you, a female midlife runner. The menopause transition is a challenging time for many women and no one wants this phase of life to affect their well-being or indeed their running. As midlife women, Karen and I know what you might be experiencing and we also know how transformational good nutrition is at this stage of life. Our approach is to swap magic bullet advice for evidence-based nutritional science. We focus on real food and strategic food choices so you can enjoy your running and be your best. We hope that our episode topics are helpful to you. However, if you'd like professional help from us, please book a complimentary work with us call at runnershealthhub.com. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Karen, and I'm here, as always, with Aileen. So today is the sixth of our Listeners' Nutrition Clinic episodes. Now, these are episodes dedicated to answer questions that we have received from you, our listeners. Now, they're questions that link to your nutrition for your running, for your performance, and your personal goals. And we host these episodes every few weeks. So if you do have any questions that you would like us to answer or discuss, in this space, then please do get in touch with us at Hello at Runners Health Hub. Now, from the questions that we receive from you, what we do is we then share our insights and some tips that will hopefully support the individual posing the question, but also give you all some food for thought. So on saying that, Aileen, I do know that we are doing things slightly differently today. So could you maybe explain a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Hi, Karen. Hi, everyone. Um, Well, yeah, we usually feature two or three listeners and we start by giving a little bit of a background to their question, explain about the running and the problem that they wish to resolve. But today, I thought what we do is pick out two common dilemmas that we hear about all the time from women in our community. So that's either when they join us in our free Facebook group and we ask them, 
you know, what are your nutrition and running challenges or when they book a free work with us call, uh, which is available to everybody at our website at runnershealthhub.com. So the two questions that we get asked over and over again are how do I eat enough protein and what should my carb intake be? Okay, so two good questions to answer, Aileen. But before we start that discussion and start answering those questions, we would just like to welcome back our regular listeners. And if you are listening for the first time, a really warm welcome to you. And we do hope that you enjoy this episode and all the others that have gone before and the many more to follow, I'm sure. Now, Aileen and I really enjoy our podcasting, but we also love it when we hear from you. So please do drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com. Introduce yourself self and maybe share a little bit about your running and your nutrition goals and that can really help us plan for future topics for the podcast so do get us get in touch because we love to personalize these uh, episodes as much as possible to what our listeners want now we do also have some free downloadable ebooks and you can get um, access those at our website so that's runnershealthhub.com just look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guides scroll down and you'll find all the ones that we have available now the most popular one is top running snacks and nutrient timing and that's really to help fuel your running um, whatever the distance uh, which goes alongside much of the advice that we share in each of our episodes we, we really do ha- hope that you enjoy that guide but also the other guides that we have on the website as well so okay let's get started so um So the first question is, how do I eat enough protein? I think that is a really common question. But before we answer the how, let's think about the why, why we need protein as a runner. Aileen, can you answer that for us? Yeah, I think it is really important to know why, because Mm. if we know why, we've got more of an incentive to put the how into practice. So uh, the key thing to remember is that when we exercise, the muscle tissue breaks down and then the body activates something called muscle protein synthesis to repair muscle. Now, the ratio of uh, muscle protein synthesis synthesis so the making of muscle to the muscle protein breakdown determines whether muscle tissues are built or lost and if the muscle protein synthesis is higher than the breakdown then muscle growth is achieved and if the breakdown is higher than the synthesis the opposite occurs and and when we eat protein it's digested and broken down into amino acids which are used for many different functions but also Uh, they're used in um, muscle rebuilding. So that's sort of the really important reason why we've got to um, eat protein um, as a runner. Yeah, absolutely. Most of our listeners are midlife female runners. And we at this life stage really have some specific requirements for protein intake. And that's because research indicates that protein intake for women in this age group, so our age group, should be between 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. Now, 
it might be that we we don't digest and absorb protein optimally as we age and aging skeletal muscle has this reduced ability to respond to amino acid levels so that's why we tend to require this increased amount of protein on a daily basis more so than younger women so and an example would be for a woman weighing 70 kilograms, her daily protein requirements would be between 84 grams to 112 grams of protein per day, depending on whether she's following that 1.2 grams or that 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight per day for protein intake. Yeah, that, that's really important because if you look at other guidelines, it'll just tell you an amount that is a sort of generic amount for everybody, regardless of their sex or age. So um, it's important to know that. So what one of the things that I usually do when I'm working with clients um, is I assess their food diary to see what their protein intake is. And then I'll make suggestions on how they can adapt their food plans, which will help them optimize protein intake. Um now, not everybody has to work out this grams per kilogram of body weight. So if you don't want to calculate your protein intake that way, then I'd suggest a really easy approach is just to have a quarter of a plate of protein at every meal. Um, so three times a day to have that amount of protein at your meal times and then add in some protein based snacks. Now, the, there is conflicting research about uh, whether that's a, a good way of doing things. So, um, you know, some some research will say that you should spread the protein across the day and other research will say that it doesn't matter, that you could eat all your protein in one meal. But our our best advice really is to spread the protein across your meals and some snacks. And we feel that digestion will be more effective in this way and also we know that it'll support blood sugar balance and therefore energy levels and body composition will also be supported um, and that's because the, the protein slows down the absorption of blood sugar um, and uh, so you get an extra benefit by having it spread over the day and the mantra that we always share is to eat protein with every meal on snack and um, that will not only promote this muscle protein synthesis but it will manage the blood sugar as I've just mentioned and I think the key really is to be consistent you know it is a mantra that means you do it all the time you know it's something that you repeat yourself and you'll follow through on and I, I always find that you know when I'm talking to clients that I've worked with you know, or, or ex-clients will say, oh, yeah, I still, I still eat protein with every meal. You know, they seem to remember that. So I would encourage everybody to uh, to do that. And personally, I would never have a meal that didn't include protein. So um, that's that's my approach. Yeah, yeah, no, it is a really good mantra. And thinking about a mantra, Aileen, to eat protein with every meal and or snack, I, I wondered it might be quite good to talk through some typical examples for daily protein intake. And I know, Aileen, that you're an omnivore, so you eat a, a real mix of animal and plant-based protein. So could you maybe share an example day, so how you would distribute protein throughout the day and what that would look like? Yeah, so just thinking about the protein elements of my meals. Um, so if I think back to yesterday, I had an egg-based breakfast. So I had a couple of eggs, two eggs, and I had that with some um, 
some greens, some green vegetables. Um, for lunch, I had lentils and feta cheese. So I was getting protein in, within the lentils and in the cheese. Had that with a salad. Uh, Mid-afternoon, I had a protein smoothie. And for dinner, I had a chicken breast. So you can see that I had protein at each meal and, and a snack as well. Uh, and that's a sort of fairly typical day for me. Uh, you know, sometimes I might have the protein smoothie in the morning, uh, but that's sort of fairly fairly typical. So Karen, you know, you're a vegetarian. Uh, mm. So what is your typical day when it comes to protein? Yeah, well, being vegetarian, Aileen, I do really have to uh, focus on my protein intake. You know, being vegetarian and a runner, um, it's really important to, to be able to, like you were speaking about earlier, having more of the muscle protein synthesis than the muscle protein breakdown. So yesterday um, I had for breakfast, I had overnight oats. So what I did was I added yogurt, some nut butter, and seeds um, to just try and increase the protein content of that. Then at lunchtime, I had a frittata. So that was made with eggs. And then I had that with uh, a lentil salad. So again, getting the protein from two different sources. And then for dinner, I had um, I had a tofu stir, stir fry. So again, being very conscious of, um, of pro- having protein at every meal. I do often have a protein smoothie as well. And, um, and, and another approach I have is that I tend to, to have a messy style approach to to my protein. So I'll have lots of different types of protein on my plate so that I'm I'm ensuring that I'm hitting my daily targets. So and I love messy style eating anyway. So it suits my it suits my um eating preferences. Yeah, that's a really, really great idea because, you know, you might sort of feel a bit overfaced by having a whole, you know, a, a big portion of tofu. But if you can have a mixture of different things, mm. it makes it more palatable, doesn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. And just a reminder, you know, if you're somebody that's following a vegan food plant, so one that's totally plant based, there are a number of protein rich uh, food choices that you can make. So uh, you could choose from the soya-based protein. So as Karen mentioned, tofu, tempeh is another good one, edanami, uh, beans, um, and also, you know, a range of beans, peas, lentils, and chickpeas all will give you good range of, of protein and uh, some nuts and seeds, as Karen mentioned earlier, too. Now, there are also, uh, I'm sure if you're plant-based, you'll be aware there's lots of um, sort of fake meat-based alternatives. So, um, you know, often these are, are processed and, um, you know, if they're highly processed, it's likely that they've got a, a low protein value. Um, so we just suggest having those kind of things occasionally and try to focus on the things that are real food and nutrient-dense. Um, now, one of the things to consider if you if you are following a plant-based uh, food plan is that you will need a slightly bigger portion. So we talked about a quarter of a plate for the sort of animal-based type proteins. Um, but when it comes to plant-based, aim for about approximately a third of a plate. And um, that's going to help you hit your protein target. And another way that you can make sure that you're hitting your protein target is by adding in these protein-rich snacks during the day, and that'll help you reach your overall target for the day. 
Great. So hopefully that's given everybody uh, a few tips on how to ensure that you are taking on board sufficient protein for your needs. So remember our mantra, protein with every meal and snack and every day. So that consistency, being consistent with it. So on that point, I think we'll maybe pause for a short advert break before moving on to our second question. So Aileen, I'm going to hand back to you for now. Okay, thanks, Karen. So this is a moment in the episode where Karen and I just take a, a minute to chat to you about what we do outside of the podcast. And, and during the episodes, Karen and I share lots of information and practical suggestions to support you you in achieving your health and running goals but we know that for some of our listeners you're ready to move away from DIY nutrition to personalized nutrition and having an expert there to help you put your plans into action so if uh, if if that's where you are and you need to move to your desired place of health or um you know, whatever it is you want to feel or achieve in everyday life or uh, indeed in your running, um, what we'd suggest you do is book a free no obligation call with us and we can help uh, work out uh, what you need and how we might be able to help you. So that's for you if you need help with your nutrition and food plans, but you don't know what help would be best for you. So we can give you some guidance. And it's also for you if you've been enjoying our free stuff, but you're ready to work for us, work, work with us, but you just don't know what program to choose because we've got quite a few offers out there. So we'd really love to help have that short, informal and complimentary call to find out how we can help you with your health and running goals. And remember, there's no pressure to buy. But if you would like to book our professional help, we are here to help you. And you can find the booking link on our website, which is runnershelphub.com at the work with us page. And, um, you know, you can book a, a time to suit you. And remember, if you if you are living in a different time zone to us and you don't see a time that suits you, just let us know. So drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com and we'll um, set up a time that will accommodate you and us. And well, we could also do that for programs and services. So if you're in the other side of the world from us, don't let that uh, be a deterrent. Uh, we're, we're very flexible about the times of day that we work. Great. Thanks, Aileen. Okay, so now let's move on to the other typical question that we get asked, which is, what should my carb intake be? Now, I find that new clients are often either over or under eaters of carbohydrates. And what we tend to do is teach women to use carbohydrates strategically to support their running performance but also to promote energy and have a lean body mass. Now, before we get into how much carbohydrate to eat, Aileen, would you maybe explain the different types of carbohydrates that we refer to when discussing this? Yeah, sure, Karen. So um, we often talk about low GL carbohydrates, um, or sometimes they're called complex carbohydrates, or even slow release carbohydrates. So low GL stands for um, low glycemic carbohydrates. So they tend to be what we call complex carbohydrates as opposed to refined carbohydrates. And the reason that they're, they're called 
complexes, they take longer to digest. So when the glucose enters the bloodstream, it enters more slowly and um, our blood sugar is balanced. So there's no highs and lows. And examples of low GL um, are usually um, foods that have got fiber as part of them. So um, things like whole grains, so rice, bread, whole wheat pasta, and also uh, low sugar fruits. So um, fruits like berries and orchard fruits like apples and pears um, are all low GL. And uh, and mostly these carbohydrates are part of our meals. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, and they also are used for non-training snacks. So snacks in between meals when, when they're not being used for training or, or running or gym work. And then the opposite side of that, the high GL or the high glycemic low carbs are also known as quick release carbohydrates. And I think that's the term that Karen and I would use the most, um, or we might call them refined carbohydrates. So examples of these foods are things like refined white carbohydrates. So we're thinking white rice, white pasta, white bread, that kind of thing. Sugary foods, uh, tropical fruits. So bananas, pineapples, mangoes, grapes, all of those types of foods, uh, fruits rather, and also root vegetables. So potatoes, sweet potatoes, beetroot, squash, that kind of thing. Um, so these uh, quick release carbohydrates are best used as a pre-run snack or a during-run snack and, and sometimes as a post-run snack. And um, the post-run snack, remember, is in that 30-minute window following a long training run. So that sort of hopefully gives a little bit of a description about the different types of carbohydrates and how they're referred to uh, if you're listening or reading about them. Yeah, and I think it also highlights that nothing is out of bounds or forbidden. It's about using them strategically depending on your training. So um, thanks for that, Aileen. I always think it's helpful to kind of recap on the different types of carbs because it can be confusing for some people. So now let's talk about how much people need to take for everyday nutrition and for training. So like protein, you could work out grams of carbohydrates per body weight, per day or you can take the plate balance portion control approach which is what we tend to use now controlling the portion of low glycemic load carbohydrates means that you'll be eating enough carbohydrate for immediate energy requirements not too much and not too little and we tend to teach our clients to adapt their carbohydrate intake to meet their health goals on their on their run training. So for everyday nutrition and also for easy training, that might be look like um, a quarter of a plate of carbohydrates at each meal. Then when you're moving up into that more moderate training, um, so moving maybe into half marathon distance, then you'd be looking at increasing that carbohydrate intake to a third of a plate and then that hard training so longer distances or race day increasing it again to half a plate now remember you will also be adding in carbohydrate for pre during and post running so it's about adapting your carbohydrate in alignment with your energy expenditure 
meaning you will be using carbohydrates strategically, like I said earlier, to meet your specific goals. And again, it's very personal. It's going to be different for everybody. Now, if you'd like to be more specific and use the grams um, uh, grams of a bo- p- body weight per day approach, we'd suggest really to consult with a sports nutritionist to make sure that you're getting it, that you're getting it personalized to your circumstances and to your training requirements. So Aileen, um, on that note, you mentioned about this over potential for over and under eating carbohydrates. What are the problems associated with these types of habits that people can get into? Yeah, there there are a few issues to consider. So if you overeat carbohydrates, then you might be doing that to the detriment of eating other macronutrients, so protein or fat, um, because you're eating so many carbohydrates, you haven't got space in your plate for the protein and fat element. And there is a potential for weight gain, for energy dips, for blood sugar dysregulation, uh, you know, and, and even worse than that, development of cardiometabolic health conditions. And, and on the flip side, if you under eat carbohydrates, again, your energy might be low. It's likely that you won't be able to fuel your running and recovery will be poor, too. Um, and, and also, I think something that people don't always take into consideration is that the fiber part of carbohydrate is also important for digestive health. And it helps fuel the production of something called short chain fatty acids, which are produced in the colon. And these short chain fatty acids are involved in the metabolism of carbohydrates and fat. So if you don't have enough of them, you're not going to ma- be able to metabolize carbohydrates and fats effectively. Um, so there's there's always lots more than just meets the eyes, isn't it, when you thinking about a particular nutrient, um, you know, because they have so many different roles. Well, that's right. And that's why it's about finding the balance of the different macronutrients, isn't it? And not about avoiding any of them. Now, and we do often hear women say that they're scared of carbs, uh, especially if they followed a very low carb diet for many years. And then they come to us and we're then asking them to reintroducing them, giving them all this education on why but they have this real fear around carbohydrates and reintroducing them. Now, Aileen, I know that you are actually carb sensitive and and you used to follow a a low-carb food plan. Would you be willing to share your experience? I know that you have done in the past, but I think it would be really, um, I think it would be really good to share it again here. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I've talked about this um, often. And and yes, for many years, I ate very few carbs and I was probably just getting carbs from fruit and starchy vegetables. So I avoided rice, pasta, bread, oats. And um, at the time, I found that it was helpful for weight management. But when I started running, which was probably about 15 years ago, um, I, I discovered that I really couldn't sustain energy for long endurance runs. And I'd often feel that I was running on empty or that my legs wouldn't carry me. And, and there was no consistency. So I never really knew how I'd feel on a training run or indeed if I could finish it. So it was a bit random and quite unsettling because I, I never really felt strong. Um, so, you know, what I learned over the years was um, that a low GL approach, that low glycemic load food plan approach is 
very, very helpful. And, um, and that's what I, I follow today. And as, as you, you know, said, it, it's a way that we, we teach our clients. It's sort of almost foundational to our approach. So what I do is I now eat a small portion of carbohydrates with every meal for everyday eating. But I'm more confident about, about increasing my portions when I've got longer endurance runs. And discovering that has been a bit of a game changer for me um, because I've realized how how stronger I feel when I do it. Um, so the carbs that I tend to eat are things like oats, sweet potato, beetroot, squash. I like brown rice. Sometimes I have brown noodles. I eat quite a lot of lentils and, and beans, too. Uh, and then I use tend to use dried fruit for the quick release carbs in training and as I say I I just feel much more at ease with it because I've now found that eating small amounts keeps me in balance and I think that one of the one of the reasons that uh, women in particular are fearful of eating carbohydrates is that when you're following a very low carbohydrate diet you can sometimes get overwhelming cravings and when you do eat carbs you just go into that, you know, you go from nothing to all and you want huge amounts and you might, you know, you might eat several slices of bread or a huge portion of carbs. And then you think, oh, no, I'm out of control. And um, that's, you know, I think that's where the fear comes in. But when you get practice to eating small amounts regularly, you don't get those cravings and then you are in control. And I, I think now that if I look back on my life over the last few decades really I can see that you know in my 30s I just didn't eat enough protein hardly any at all really and my meals were very carb based so I would have things like stir fried veg with rice or pasta and I'd eat loads of fruit but I was overweight and I had a lot of hormonal disruptions then I flipped and I went very low carb and I focused on protein and vegetables and I did lose weight but that was when I started running and my energy was so low um and now that, you know, I've trained as a nutritionist and I understand more and I've got more knowledge, it's just led me to have a more balanced and strategic approach, not only just to my health, but also to my running. So, yeah, that's quite a long story, Karen. No. <laughs> I went off on a bit of a... No, a, I think it's a really important story, Alien, and it, it does also show that the body needs balance. It's also about using carbohydrates strategically, which is what we always speak about. And by doing that, it will then sustain energy, it will stop the cravings and also support the body composition that the people who are on low carb diets are actually aiming for. So um, um, I think it's an important story to tell. So thanks for that. And hopefully, you know, your story will help other women who are fearful of carbs and um, and also Aileen I know that recently you used a blood glucose monitor and I just wondered what you discovered from using that and if it was helpful yeah well it was helpful it was really in really interesting so I used the blood glucose monitor for about three months and it was for me it was a bit of a personal research project and um, these uh, monitors these devices are used usually with people with type 2 diabetes and it's to help them manage their blood sugar levels but they can also be used on a more of a short-term basis to help uncover you know people's personal blood sugar responses to food and also 
to stress in their life. And um, what I did was um, I did some, I ate some test meals to see what my blood sugar response was. And I, I kept a food diary alongside the results. And it was quite illuminating for me because um, what I discovered was that I quite often have what uh, what is described as low blood glucose events. And often these happen during the night. And it was always after I had a very low carb meal, or sometimes it was a no carb meal. So if I just had protein and vegetables, so say I had chicken and vegetables or fish and vegetables or salad, then what would happen is, you know, several hours later, so I might eat at say six, seven o'clock in the evening, and then maybe two or three in the middle of the night, I would, uh, I'd often waken, um, because I had this low blood sugar and, uh, the knock on effect was that, you know, my energy would be low the next morning. And, you know, often you think you wake up and your energy is low just because you haven't slept well. But the, co the connection for me was it was my blood sugar was the thing. My blood sugar was dropping and that's what woke me up. And that was what was making me tired. And then what I noticed was that it always took me two or three days to get back to an even pattern. So I was very erratic for the next two or three days, even if I was eating the right amount of carbs, um, which again was quite enlightening for me. Uh, but what it did was it helped me work out the right portion size for me. Um, and this is where the personalization comes into nutrition. Um, so for instance, uh, an example would be that if I had a sandwich with two slices of bread, for me, that causes a blood sugar spike. Uh, but one slice of bread is fine. Now, for other people, that would be fine. But for me, it didn't work. Uh, if I ate a whole apple, it would give me a blood sugar spike. But half an apple is, is OK for me. Um, I guess I'm just sort of sharing that to or the whole story to demonstrate that no carbs can be as detrimental as too many carbs and, and getting the sweet spot is important. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I learned from it. Yeah, I think that's really in, in, in interesting information, very personalised as well, isn't it? That um, that it's finding that sweet spot, but everybody's sweet spot will be different and that using that monitor may help um, a, a, an individual find their own sweet spot. So thanks for sharing that, Aileen. I think that's been hopefully really helpful for people. So really, I know we're saying it's really personalised on in in how much carbohydrates you can tolerate uh, as a portion size and when you should eat carbohydrates and their effect on you. But thinking about most people, because, you know, we have to think more generically for the podcast, eating roughly about a quarter of a plate of complex carbohydrates at each meal might be enough for everyday energy requirements and will also help to keep blood sugar in balance for some people like Aileen but a little less carb is required for others um, and um, and then others might be able to tolerate a bit more than that. But also, I think it's important to remember to adjust your portions and your training snacks in line with your training load. So that's, again, where this individuality comes in and this personalization comes in. Now, on that note, we are almost at the end of today's episode. So, Aileen, just before we go, I just wondered if you'd be willing to suggest an 
action point that our listeners could take away with them from today's episode and maybe put in place to support them? Yeah, sure. So I I think that um, portion control and plate balance is key for both protein and carbohydrate consumption. So the action point that I suggest is uh, just take a moment before you eat to check out your plate. Uh, ask yourself, is the protein and carb portion right for you today? And if it isn't, adjust the portion size, uh, you know, either add something to your plate or eat a bit less of something and, uh, and then, you know, practice that going forward. So, and uh, it's not, not too difficult, but just bear those two things in mind. Yeah, definitely. It's just about being mindful each time you eat to to just um, review your plate and adjust accordingly. So thanks very much for sharing your personal information, but also sharing um, these two common questions that we do get asked quite a lot. Now, we would love to hear from you all um, and with your questions, and we will feature any questions that we receive on our next um, Listeners Nutrition Clinic. So please email us at hello at runnershelphub.com with your nutrition or running questions. Questions and um, depending on how many we get, that we will choose two or three. But if we have more questions than that, we will we will answer your question in a future um, episode, so it won't get forgotten. So do send them to us. And finally, remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Thanks for joining us today on She Runs, Eats, Performs. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again soon. Before you go, please listen to the end to hear more about Amazing Jane Activewear and why their leggings were voted best for runners by Women's Fitness. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great week. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at AmazingJane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm-hmm.